Hi, and welcome to a Novel Ending Podcast. We're your hosts, Joanna and Kat. We chat about all things revisions, the fun stuff, the not-so-fun stuff, and the seriously, I've written like 10 novels now, why doesn't this get any easier stuff? Join us while we share our enthusiasm and tips to help you tackle your next draft before it tackles you. Hi, everyone. On today's episode, we are continuing our chat about revising your world. And specifically, we are going to be talking about culture. But first, we have a question of the day. Would you rather read a book that is written poorly but has an excellent story or read one with weak content but is written well? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I actually picked this question for you because we were recently discussing a book that I won't name any names. Where I think you felt like you were just happy with the prose. Mm -hmm. I forget how you described the plot. It wasn't terrible or anything. It was just didn't hold you as well as most plots. It was a plot that I would describe as an elevator pitch plot. Like, hey, I have this idea for a plot. Here's two sentences describing the plot. And that's literally all the plot was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the prose were so Mm -hmm. good that it had me captivated, even though nothing really happened that much. So is that your answer or not really? Because you did seem like Uh, you were thinking about it. Yeah. And I do, like, I really loved this book. So I'd probably have to say that is my answer. The only reason I hesitate is because... I always say it's all about the story and however you can pull off the story, even if your craft isn't there yet. If you can tell a good story, like that's Mm -hmm. the end means, right? So that's why I hesitate. What what about you? I would say written poorly, but has an excellent story. I think I can sometimes get frustrated if I feel like a book has not been edited well enough. If I notice a lot of things that pull me out of the story, right? But if the story is great, or if I love enough of the factors, I will forgive the author absolutely anything else. If you can catch me, I'm in. But I will go ahead and say that I have a very difficult time reading literary fiction. And literary fiction has plenty of plot, some more than others. But I definitely think that the goal of literary fiction is to write a beautiful, write beautiful prose. And the plot is definitely slower or quieter. And I think I've even written some quieter stories at times, but I have a hard time reading. I have a harder time reading that when it's a slower story, even if the prose is beautiful, which I also absolutely appreciate. Love, beautiful language, but I need more than that, I guess. So I'm going to say written poorly with an excellent story. Cool. So when I think of culture, so we're talking world building in this series. If you didn't listen to the last episode, we covered setting, which we broke down into multiple different um, pieces. And now we're going to look more at culture, which to me is sort of like the unspoken agreements that society has about everything. So with setting, it was more the tangible aspects of a character's surroundings, let's say. And with culture, to me, I feel like that's the intangible aspects of a character's surroundings. So I think often the layering of culture comes in revisions. It's not, I mean, maybe you are a stellar planner and you've got this all down, but I do think just like setting, but more so, I think a lot of the parts of culture interact more and have a bigger effect on your character and their life and the character and the character's life have a bigger effect on society than just a landscape necessarily would. So I think that oftentimes while you're drafting the story, you will write in things that make sense that you maybe didn't think of ahead of time um, because you're deeper in to the action and the plot. 
So the question in revisions is like, what sort of stuff do you need to pay more attention to as you're revising for that culture and society that came from your plot or your character and vice versa? Yes, I feel like culture is one of those aspects that writers tend to have either very detailed in their heads or have like written pages and pages in their notebooks of here's how society works and things Mm -hmm. like that. But it doesn't always show up on the page. So and Joanna just said it, but I think culture is one of those things that really you can deepen in revisions and don't necessarily worry about it in a first draft. Because I would say this is like great fodder for like how to, you know, really nail your revisions and just make Mm -hmm. your world like richer and your characters richer and things like that. Yeah. And also, when you are revising culture, don't forget that stories often have multiple cultures. So your overall society might have cultural norms. But then if you have different kingdoms or governing bodies within your like larger world, those might have their own set of cultures. But also when I think of cultures, I think a lot of like family cultures or family Mm -hmm. dynamics. So then you have it on the family level or the like friendship level. So I think culture can be, you know, anything from like big, big, big to like micro. Right. Yeah, and it's important to show all of them on the page because they all add layers to your story and your characters. And And I think society is so pervasive, even when we don't want it to be. I think very much subconsciously, too, that it really does show up in everyone's life. Yeah, and I think, you know, a way to deepen character is to show how they act in these different culture settings. So, you know, how they act with family might be something totally different than when they go out, say their job is for the government or they work for the king or something like they may act totally different or they might act the same, you know, and that just shows more levels of their character, like how they react to the different cultures rather than just like describing it, just like, here's the culture of the society, you right. know, using your character as a tool. Interaction. Yes. That's my yeah. key, that's my keyword here, I guess, for the world building series. It's all about interaction too, and how also where they fit within society. Do they disagree with the cultural norms in society, or do they are they completely drinking the Kool Aid? Yeah, and also like why are they like that? Mm-hmm. So if they're drinking the Kool Aid, do they really believe it, mm-hmm. or is there some sort of end game that they're you know trying to work the system to get you know like all of those? I think add like or really conditioning. How much of it is just blind trust? Like, mm-hmm. and that all speaks to character and who your character is too. Yeah, to me, like I find all of that stuff really fun and fascinating to read in mm-hmm. a story. You know, I mean, if it's like building to something, right? Yeah. So I personally have not. The reason I'm pausing is because I'm like, am I about to lie here? (laughs) But I don't think I've really written any books that have, you know, think of Game of Thrones, how you have all the different, you know, houses within like the big kingdom and each house has their own rules, that kind of thing. Like, I don't think I've ever done anything like that for any of my stories. But I know that Joanna's most recent YA fantasy has... Four different houses? Five? Four, three. Well, three? three kingdoms and a three. port city. Well, and some other regions that are not part of the kingdom. So, yes. So, yeah. So, how did you approach coming up with the culture for each of those? 
I really let weather and region guide me because I sort of knew the landscape that I was going for, and I didn't want them to be all homogenous as far as, well, a culture. But for whatever reason, in my head, I just started with the landscape and the weather. So if it's hot most of the time, you're going to wear different things than if it's cold most of the time. If it's sunny most of the time versus a forest, there's different things that grow in those places. Um, And, you know, it's grounded a lot in our landscape, but it's definitely twisted and you know, I made up some things for sure, but that's definitely where I started. So really the region sort of informed attire and food and what they could make, what resources were plentiful and what resources were not plentiful that they would have to trade for, that they would not be able to use as readily. Even thinking that way about what they used to build things and what kind of jewelry they would wear, what kind of hobbies they would have because of the environment that they live in. So that definitely was my stepping stone for the cultures. And it just was a boulder down the hill from there. Do you feel like stories that have multiple kingdoms or governing bodies or houses or whatever, do you feel like writers who are writing those stories should really try to make each unique so it stands out as kind of easy to recognize? Or do you feel like, you know, in real life, two neighboring kingdoms might be very similar. Mm -hmm. So they could also be similar in books. Like, do you have any takes on that? I mean, I think you definitely want some differences because you just like with voice and dialogue of characters, you don't want everyone to sound the same. But yes, some might be more similar than others. Maybe two are very similar. And so they like gang up on the third kingdom a lot because the third kingdom doesn't think the same way that they do because they're a lot more different. But I think in real life, you know, if you think countries versus kingdoms, there's definitely countries that are very similar, but they all have something. And there's also many countries that are very different. So even regions of the United States, the Southwest is vastly different from the Midwest. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I think it adds depth to your story. But I also and I'm not saying you have to go like super crazy different because you're right. A lot of People are similar, you know, siblings versus cousins or like if you just think about how far away from yourself you get, people are different. But I think it also actually makes it easier to write sometimes when you have these differences because there's a reason to talk about them. And that's words on the page and often depth, too, and things that the characters can play off and differences that the characters can play off. Right. So the more different they are, oftentimes their worldview will be different. And that can cause conflict naturally. You're not having to necessarily create it out of nothing. Cool. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering your take Mm -hmm. on that. We sort of talked about this a little in our introduction of culture, I think. But definitely, I think Kat mentioned something akin to norms, right? So in your culture, and your society, there's definite things that everyone expects from people or jobs or what the right path is, relationship norms, are most families, four-person families, to, you know, is it two adults and two children, or is it one adult and one child, or three adults and five children, you know, like, what would the society consider normal, as well as greetings, how people greet each other, and maybe having a why behind, you know, something that makes sense, why people greet each other the way they do. Mm-hmm. And to go along with greetings, 
I often think of titles or like how you address Mm. people. Is the story you set up a world where it's very formal and you always say, sir, so-and-so, or like miss or missus or lord or things like that. And then for norms, just in general, I do think you know, you need to make sure that you're consistent with these. So if Mm -hmm. you kind of are revising and halfway through have this brilliant light bulb moment, and you're like, oh, like, this is a really cool greeting. And then now like everyone says this greeting, like, make sure you go back to the beginning and like kind of (laughs) have it throughout your novel. I don't think any of these should be a surprise that captures the novel of like, wait, why is that person calling them your holy highness, whatever, whatever, you know, it's just like, where did that come from? You know, (laughs) for me, like when I come up with norms, a lot of it is just I'll have a random eureka moment or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it halfway through my revision and be like, oh, and then have to like drop myself a note and be like, please go back and fix this everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So a lot of these norms um, sometimes come from somewhere, right? And society is often based in religion, whether that's a dead religion that's no longer on the page, but in at least in the real world, I feel like a lot of what our norms have come from can be from religion. So if you are bringing religion into your story, yeah, you need to make sure in your revisions that that religion has parameters and makes sense, right? So what deities are you using in your story, especially if you're making something up and the rituals that you'd be using? Yeah. And to go along with rituals, prayers, like how do you talk to these deities? Can it be a direct line of communication? Do you have to speak to the magical fountain in the center of town or statues or, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are sacred in society and in culture are often sacred because they're sacred in religion and taboos. Also um, things that are considered huge no-nos or things that are illegal, maybe even. And a lot of this again, has to do with interacting, right? So interacting with your characters and If they're doing something taboo, that is only taboo if the culture sees it that way and society sees it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think something else to kind of keep in mind if you are including religion in your story, at least from what I'm aware of, most religions have kind of different levels of worshipers. So it's like, you know, you have the high priest and then the priest and there's just different levels. So just thinking of what level your character is on, like how they interact with characters on different levels. If they're completely like, I'm not buying any of this, that's a choice. And, you know, exploring like why and if they go to church on holidays or every weekend. Yeah. Or twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. Or just thinking of, you know, like in our real life, there's different branches like, you know, Mm -hmm. Catholic and Method, you know, just kind of Mm -hmm setting up those and stuff too for your story. So, And like Kat just said too, if your character or if there is a sect of people in the culture that are going to show up on the page who are opposed to the religion. And also, you know, maybe you're writing religion as a good positive thing. Maybe you're writing religion as a, a bad thing. Those opposed, you know, they need to have a belief system that opposes what your religion is and how can you show that and what they're doing. And also I think how the religion can be twisted, even if it's a good religion, we are humans, right? And so oftentimes, definitely most of us can find a way to twist something good or use something for our own gain that is not for the benefit of the society. 
So if you're putting religion on the page or as a strong part of the culture, even if this doesn't come out, I think in revisions, you want to think about how it could be twisted and if that's something that anybody might have done in the story. And that can help inform your plot a little bit if you're needing something more for that. And sometimes religion runs politics, right? Sometimes there's a really close relationship between them. Sometimes there's absolutely no relationship. I was say, or complete opposite complete butting heads. Yep. <laughs> Always fighting against each other. Yeah, but like religion, politics is a big part of culture. Society. Yes. So kind of some things to think about with politics is what rules does the governing body or person or overlord or whatever like what are the rules that they have and when we think about it in terms of like religion too like do these rules conflict with religious rules do they back them up the question between what's legal and what's moral and if those are different or the same also how long have these rules been in existence like is it a recent in the last decade or even last 50 years can sometimes feel recent versus these rules were etched into stone from the moment this kingdom was born you know that kind of goes along with like the weight of the rule Mm -hmm. you know and how much it pervades society and how much Mm -hmm. it's a assumed belief that no one even thinks about why they just blindly follow it because it's all they've known and it's all their ancestors have ever known. Yeah. And then also opposite of not breaking the rules is how can the rules be changed? Is it possible to change the rules? Is it not possible? And if you just break the rule, then you're outcast and have to deal with the consequences or things like that. And making sure you're consistent. And I mean, obviously revising, when we're revising all this stuff, the key is to make sure you're consistent and following the rules that you've set and the parameters you've set throughout your story. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this stuff, I feel like, leads into magic as well. So what kinds of questions do you ask yourself when you're revising your magic system? When I'm revising my magic system, I should say going into a first draft, I will think about magic but on a very tropey level almost like i will just make it tropey just to get the story on the page Mm -hmm. and then in revisions is where i really try to bring out the uniqueness of my magic system so some questions that i ask in order to do that are where did the magic originally come from for instance is it innate in every person in this kingdom or in this world Or does it come from a certain kind of flower? Or does it come from the water or the air, like an elemental type magic, you know, that kind of thing? I also like to figure out if it's unlimited or if it's limited. For all of these, like there's no right or wrong. It's just what best serves your world. But also like what would potentially create the most conflict for your main character is sometimes how I answer these. Some other questions are who has magic? Is it everyone? Is it certain people? Is it you have the ability to earn it almost? And then what's the process for using magic? Do you need to say a spell from a grimoire and that's the only way? Or is it a potion-based magic and the only way people get magic is drinking potions? Or do you need the wand or you don't need the wand or you draw symbols in the dirt and that's how the magic appears? And then also the cost. I really love this one. I do too. Because I feel like there should always be this is a my, price. This is my favorite. I always get really excited when I'm reading stories and the magic has a cool, difficult cost. Yes. 
Makes sense that it should, right? I think so. I guess to me, if you're giving your characters something as powerful as magical abilities, I feel like there should be a cost. Mm -hmm. Although if it's just so normal that everybody has it, I mean, there's plenty of space for that too. But there's always a dark side of magic as well. And again, same as religion, like how is someone going to twist the magic to something bad? Or if it's a dark magic, how could someone twist it and use it for good? I feel like there's likely space for that in either direction. Maybe not always. And again, I think rules like we discussed maybe in our last episode with setting the parameters of the world at large, there needs to be parameters on the magic, I think, as well. And again, I don't think that has to be on the page. I think if it makes sense and you're never being inconsistent on the page and you're never doing something that doesn't make sense with what you've set up, I don't think you have to be like, these are the rules of the magic and you can only, like, you don't have to put a old text on page that tells your character that this is how it works. But I do think that you have to know it well enough that it feels like it makes sense and there are rules on the page for the reader. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for all of these categories under culture, including the one we're about to talk about, which is technology, my big stickler is that consistency piece in a story. It drives me bonkers when you get to the climax and it just feels like the writer is like, oh, crap, I dug myself a hole I can't get out of. Like, surprise magic, you know, and you're like, what? Like, where did that come from? Like, you set up this world where this probably wasn't possible and now suddenly you're just pulling it out of the air because that was the only thing you could think of to do. So yeah, to me, like consistency is like a really big key. Well, I have two things to say to that. Yeah. A, for every listener out there, you can do better than that. (laughs) You can figure, (laughs) I have faith in you, you can figure your way out of that hole better with revisions or just some other brilliant idea you need to wait on. But also... I feel like the goal, the ultimate goal of every writer or book is you want the story to just move consistently and smoothly enough that the reader does not get pulled out of the story. And I think inconsistency is one of the quickest ways to pull a reader out of the story and have them question what you're doing or wonder what happened or did I miss something? And that's not what your goal is. You want them in there, on the ride, beginning to end. And not only does it pull you out of the story, it just frustrates you. Right. Yeah. You don't want to frustrate your reader. You don't want anyone throwing that book across the room and not picking it back up again. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So last up for culture, we have technology. So technology to me, I know it kind of seems like a recent-ish term, recent being like last hundred years or whatever. But I feel like technology should show up in pretty much every story. Like even if you have a very old period, like historical Mm -hmm. fiction or something like that. Because to me, it's as simple as like, well, how do they get light? Do they have to make fires and burn candles Mm -hmm. or are light bulbs around? Right. Technology is like where we are now on the scale of progress. So like even back in medieval times, they were doing things to make their lives easier than caveman times, for example. Right. So. And I do feel like technology in fantasy novels sometimes gets a little Mm wishy-washy, which is another pet peeve of mine. Because I'm like, you need to figure it out. Does your fantasy castle 
have gas lamps or is it all candles? You know, it's just right. kind of like... Right. Or are they using yeah. magic? I do think that fantasy novels often rely on magic for technology, where mm-hmm. like real technology, when it feels more like technology and fantasy, it feels more sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yes, even if you're writing fantasy and you're not having cell phones, you need to think about where things come from to make life easier, how they're getting those things, like you said. Yeah. And I would rather, to me, I would rather an author really figure this out and, you know, try to include some of these details instead of, I think some authors can just be like, meh, I don't know, I'm just going to ignore it and write a medieval castle and just not include any details about how they wash dishes or, you know, Mm -hmm. how they cook the food, you know, things like that. And to me, I guess I just think it's a little bit lazy to gloss over all of that. Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, your character is a really snooty princess who never has stepped foot in the kitchens and has no idea how her food is made. Yeah. (laughs) And does not care. (laughs) Things like magic fairies bring it up. Right. Yeah. But she still would see her servants lighting her fire or, you know. Yeah. 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 I do think this is a decision that we as authors really need to make intentionally what kind of technology or progress your story is dealing with, even in made up worlds. Because yeah, I think that that can pull people out of a story if they feel like something doesn't fit, or if it seems very contemporary and modern, if the writing and the plot and the story feels very modern, but no one has a cell phone. And if you don't state what year it is, And it feels like they should have like current technology and they don't. I think, again, that inconsistency shows up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pull your reader out out of your story. I have such a problem when a story is set in 2022 or, you know, Mm -hmm. right around now. And a character who in real life would totally have a cell phone. They don't have a cell phone in the book. To me, that's just like lazy or because what I see a writer try to do is give this big, long explanation as to like why this character doesn't have a cell phone. Like, oh, their mom doesn't believe and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, I know people out there who are just like, my child isn't getting a cell phone until they turn 15. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there are people like that out there, but I would say the norm is that Yep. Most kids over 10 have a cell yep. phone. I know. <laughs> absolutely tell you that as a mother of two teenagers and knowing a lot of teenagers, that if you were one of those teenagers who couldn't have a cell phone, it would be on your mind all the time. And it would be on the page of that book that you do not have a cell phone. And it would cause a lot of problems. But also knowing teenagers, you can very easily, your phone can die or be lost or forgotten mm-hmm. or, you know, so. Yeah. So I think there are creative ways to get Mm -hmm. a cell phone out of a scene rather than just take it out of the story in general. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is all we have on our culture discussion. On our next episode, we are going to be talking about voice and dialogue. Thanks for listening to another episode of A Novel Ending Podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review and by sharing this episode with your community. And make sure to check out our website, anovelending.com, to learn more about what other services we offer. Happy revising!